Okay, so Marianne and I are here at uh, the public symposium for Professor Stephen Hawking's 70th birthday. Um, we've managed to find seats in a very crowded lecture hall here at Cambridge. Uh, Marianne, what are you looking forward to hearing about? <laughs> um, well, I'm looking forward to everything. Um, it would be really nice to, um, to see Saul Perlmutter, who was last year's uh, winner of the Physics Nobel Prize, because I've never seen him talk before. But all the, all the talks look really fascinating. And I'm really looking forward to seeing some talks that are accessible, because I've been to the scientific part of the conference the last few days, and it was quite hard. Yeah, we were both saying it was kind of... Um, uh, we would get excited at the scientific conference when they started using vocabulary that we vaguely understood. So hopefully we'll understand a bit more yeah. today. And what are you looking forward to? Um, I really enjoyed, um, I, I was lucky enough to come to his 60th birthday one and Kip Thorne spoke then and I really enjoyed his talk and got to interview him then. So I'm really looking forward to hearing his talk today and find out what's changed in the last 10 years in black hole theory. So anyway, we'll see what happens. Yes. Now the first speaker at the conference was Astronomer Royal Martin Rees, who gave a fascinating talk that covered a whole range of things from planets that orbit, orbit distant suns to the multiverse. And you'll be able to read a version of that talk on PLUS magazine very soon. But after the conference I caught up with him and I asked him what the biggest development in physics and cosmology has been during Stephen Hawking's lifetime. Well, when um, Stephen Hawking was a student, of course, cosmology was based on hardly any evidence at all. Uh, it was only in the mid-1960s that it became clear that there was a Big Bang which started the expansion of the universe. And it was only in the mid-1960s that astronomers discovered objects where general relativity was actually important, rather than just being a tiny correction to Newton's equations, as it is, for instance, in the solar system. So that was the uh, impetus, and there's a tremendous contrast between the small amount we knew back in the 1960s and the present day, when we have precision measurements in cosmology of the uh, age of the universe and its contents to a few percent, the microwave background fluctuations measured to an accuracy of nearly one part in a million, and Einstein's theory tested by the double pulsar and other techniques to a precision of better than one part in 10,000. So there's been a tremendous transformation. And of course, we've got much more evidence that uh, black holes are important in the universe. We've discovered huge numbers of them. So the subject has hugely expanded, both in terms of theoretical understanding and in terms of data. Another new development has been computer simulations, which, owing to the greater power of computers, can now help us to develop our intuitions and do calculations of um, gas flows around black holes, the um, gravitational radiation emitted when black holes merge, etc. So there's been a huge transformation over Stephen's active research period. Mm -hmm. And what was his biggest contribution? I think his contributions were to understand the nature of black holes and to find for the first time a link between quantum theory and relativity through his concept which we now call Hawking radiation. He's also done a lot to help us to understand the early universe and the uh, wonderful idea that the fluctuations in the universe which we see stretched across the sky in a microwave background and which are the seeds for clusters of galaxies were 
generated by quantum fluctuations when the entire universe was of microscopic size. Mm -hmm. And what do you think is it about Stephen Hawking that makes him so inspiring to the general public? Because he, he is probably the most famous living Well, physicist, certainly probably physicist, a scientist even. Well, he's got special fame, of course, because in addition to his uh, research, which makes him one of the leading researchers in relativity, who's done as much as almost anyone else since Einstein to extend our knowledge of relativity, he's also become known to a wide public uh, through his uh, popular books and his uh, TV appearances and to a still wider public who can admire and be inspired by the way he's done all this despite growing instability, uh, incapacity. Mm. And so I think it's really the combination of his uh, research distinction, his outreach efforts, um, and the handicaps against which he's worked, which make him a special uh, personality. And those uh, three criteria have interacted on each other and generated this tremendous fame that he has achieved. Back at the conference, I caught up with one of Stephen Hawking's first PhD students, Bernard Carr, who is now a professor of mathematics and astronomy at Queen Mary University of London. I asked him what it was like to be one of Stephen Hawking's students. Well, I did my PhD with Stephen in 72 to 75. Well, in those days, Stephen was... Um, He was already in a wheelchair. He was, mm. and um, as I said, he'd already he was already built up a reputation. So I knew mm. how you know that he was very smart. But I mean, he was already in a wheelchair. But in those days, the, being a student with Stephen was quite unusual because um, one, I would have to help him quite a lot. It wasn't nowadays he has nurses and assistants who help him. In those days, the student would actually be very much doing that. So I shared an office with Stephen. Mm. I would eat with him. I mm. lived with the family for a year in, oh, really? they lived mm. in, in, when we were at Caltech. And so, and of course that meant in some sense I was, you know, it was a mutual exchange. I was helping Stephen a bit, but he was mm. helping me because I was very helpful. I could sort mm. of, obviously, talk, talk to him whenever I want. And, yeah. and so, I mean, and I got to, Stephen would travel around meeting all the great physicists yeah. and getting medals and things, and I would travel with him. So it was very interesting, you know, yeah. we, we, and he would go around, we met all the... What you was know, the PhD on, yours? My exactly. PhD was on primordial black holes. I was lucky because I worked with Stephen when he um, discovered black hole radiance, mm -hmm. which is arguably mm -hmm. his greatest scientific discovery. So that's a Hawking radiation. Hawking radiation. Mm -hmm. That was in 74 when and I was you doing were working with him then? I was working wow, with him then. Exciting. So I was yeah. able to sort of get involved in the... Uh, I was able to get involved in the problem and one of the first people... To, because of that, I was able to do some of the first cosmological mm. calculations. Another person who knows Stephen Hawking from the early days is Professor Malcolm McCallum, who's now the director of the Heilbronn Institute for Mathematical Research. Stephen Hawking examined Malcolm's PhD back in the 60s, and I asked Malcolm about his memories of Stephen. When I first met Stephen, he could still walk with the aid of a stick, and I found him a couple of times resting on the wall in the corridor in the maths department, the old pit press building. And I asked if he needed help, and he said no. Hmm. And about the third time, I thought, this is silly. Uh, so, but he wasn't going to admit he needed help, so I simply took his arm. And that was all right, because he didn't have to actually admit to needing help. So he wasn't angry um, that you just took his arm, he just yeah, was Yeah, that was okay. Yeah. And then uh, for a while, there was a period when um, his wife, Jane, would walk with him into the institute in the morning, and I would most evenings walk home with him, just 
giving him an arm to steady him. That was all he needed at that time. What, around when was that? That was 1967, okay. 68, yeah. 69. And what do you think, I mean, I know this is maybe a difficult question, but what would you think is um, Stephen Hawking's most significant contribution? I suppose the, the one that was really the most extraordinary in that it came from nowhere was the, uh, the, the work on Hawking radiation. Because nobody had expected that black holes That's would right, it was something. completely unforeseen, I think. But professors of mathematics and astronomy weren't the only people who attended Stephen Hawking's birthday symposium. There were also many members of the general public around. And Rachel Thomas made her way through the busy tea tent to find out why they were attending and how they liked what they were hearing. Hi, can I ask you what your names are? Uh, my name is Danny, Danny Arati. Um, and my name is Joe Lister. And what brought you along to the conference today? I, I work for Intel, I'm education manager at Intel and we're sponsoring co-sponsor of the event and that's why I'm here. And I'm just accompanying him. Uh, and what have you thought of the, of the, spe of the talk so far? Um, no, I'm very impressed actually with how accessible they've made the, the material because I think they're obviously super intelligent people who spend years doing their research and to make to bring it down to a level where just general members of the public can understand that I think it's very impressive. I was I was really impressed actually, particularly Saul Perlmutter's one where he was saying I want you to be able to explain it to someone when you get home. I think he got he got kind of close actually. He did, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, <laughs> if I could, I could probably explain to somebody now, yeah. but maybe when 24 hours have elapsed, I'm not sure I'd be so confident, but yeah, he certainly did very well in doing that. that uh, absolutely right, and, and I, I think one of the big challenges of science, especially when you get on such a deep matter in science, is to make it accessible to everyone, to show it actually matters to everyone. Um, you know, cosmology may sound like something that's nothing to do with us in everyday life, but as the speakers have shown, no, it does matter to us. If you manage to present in such a way that it's clear to anybody, it doesn't matter. You, know, you increase interest uh, to science in general and you attract more young people to come and, and study science. And as far as you're, you're involved with Intel, and I, and I understand that uh, Intel provides both Stephen Hawking's computer for his wheelchair and also the, the computers for the supercomputers. Um, sort of, is it, I mean, it's, it sounds to me like quite an exciting way for. Um, I mean, obviously, Intel computers are used everywhere in a huge variety of applications. But is there something somewhat romantic about your computers being used, your science being used in studies of, you know, the beginnings of the universe, that sort of thing? Well, it definitely makes you proud to be working for Intel when you see these things. So my uh, approach and my work is different. Um, my department, education, a part of corporate affairs, we approach it from a non-profit point of view. We have different goals we set ourselves, and one of the goals, one of the remits is to bring students, to young people, closer to science so that you know, there's a bigger intake um, of, of students in, in science, technology, engineering and maths. And to this end we work with different institutions, with the British, uh, British Association, British Science Association, sorry, uh, the National Science Learning Centre, for instance, are represented here as well. So to, to try to join our forces to, to make science more accessible, more interesting to young people. Excellent, thank you very much. Okay, enjoy the rest of the day. With such acclaimed speakers, Martin Rees, Saul Perlmutter and Kip Thorne, this birthday symposium really was a star-studded event. But it was still a disappointment that the protagonist, Stephen Hawking himself, couldn't be there because he was ill, even though he did join us via the internet. 
In the end, it fell to Sam Blackburn, graduate assistant of Professor Hawking, to stand up in front of the crowd while Hawking's pre-recorded lecture was being played and make sure that everything went according to plan. Rachel spoke to Sam after the event to ask him what it was like. We're here with Sam Blackburn, who uh, presented Professor Hawking's talk in his absence. Sam, how did it feel standing in front of that room of people? It's quite scary. I've never been introduced to a large crowd of people and a live webcast as Stephen Hawking before, and it did take me aback somewhat. <laughs> uh, so uh, it was, it was, you know, fantastic buzz to to have that kind of uh, attention, and it was very good fun. Um, Although, of course, I, I think the event would have gone so much better had Stephen made it personally. It was, it was kind of sad and a bit poignant at points um, with him not being here, but uh, it kind of felt like he was. And, and it certainly the, um, the reaction in the room felt quite emotional as if he was here, particularly at the end. I really hope it felt like he was here. I mean, of course, uh, we're, not, we're not trying to pretend that he was. And... Um, it, this is certainly the first lecture I have been to where Stephen should have been present and, and unfortunately couldn't make it. Um, however, it, you know, it, it has been known for um, Stephen's quite frequent hospital visits to coincide with a, a very important event. And unfortunately, um, this is an event that was of particular significance to Stephen personally. Uh, and it is a great shame that he couldn't make it. Um, you've been working closely with Stephen. You've been um, managing his technology and making sure everything is working for, for quite a while now. Um, what is he like to work with as a person? So I've been working for Stephen for five years now. And um, it's, it's an incredible once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I've had uh, opportunities to travel across the world, uh, which I, I could never have done to that degree without uh, an incredible job like this. And this is the end of our podcast from the Stephen Hawking Birthday Symposium. You can find plenty of information on Stephen Hawking himself, as well as the work that he's done and all the other areas that the speakers at the symposium talked about on Plus Magazine at plus.maths.org. My name is Marianne Freiberger. Thanks for listening and bye-bye.